Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight and joining me from across the pond, he's the statesman to my kingsman, John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, my friend? I am doing very well, Matt. How about yourself? I am doing really, really quite well today, my friend. I, um, I've been really craving a pumpkin donut from Dunkin' Donuts. However, <sighs> there's none near me. Have you had that same problem? I've had uh, plenty of Dunkin' Donuts near me, just none of them seem to have the donut. I don't know what this conspiracy is. They have giant signs advertising it. And granted, I don't need the donut. But I don't know if you know this about me, listeners. I love pumpkin. And this is one of my favorite times of the year. Yes, I am Basic Burke. Hashtag Basic Burke is a thing. Um, Starbucks. I am drinking an, uh, an iced pumpkin coffee, which is not as good as the pumpkin cold brew that Starbucks has is phenomenal but starbucks is a little farther away from my house where duncan is on my way home from work and i thought i'd grab a coffee before getting to this recording so um and jb knows how much i love donuts so this dropped in 10 minutes before we started recording that he was on his way to duncan donuts knowing full where it's like half past nine in the evening over here and i can't get to one so um yeah thank you for that <laughs> offering if i could pick something up for you i mean yeah, just FedEx sure. <laughs> yes exactly it'll, it'll i'm sure it will be fine um, yeah, really. by the time it gets to you. Uh, I will eat it even if it's like mouldy and rotten such. But then, no, no, because I am, as the uh, final segment we always mention, has said for the last few weeks, I am on a smoothie and a movie diet, so no donuts for me whatsoever. How on earth is your fitness uh, regime going? Um, It's going w- well, to be honest, Uh, despite, like, the... Uh, I, I miss going to the gym still. Mm-hmm. Um. And we have a new, like one of the big chain gyms is opening up. So it's like substantially cheaper um, than my current gym membership. Although I kind of like the smallness of my gym. And I'm sure that the big gym is going to bring a lot of people in because it's super cheap right now. Um, mm. And so I am, but I, I'm in a, either, either way, I'm still apprehensive about going to the gym and it's, it's disappointing, but I am still, you know, running and uh, working out from home for now and staying on top of that and uh, mostly eating pretty healthy yesterday um was my first day back uh to work work and i um i had a lot of extra steps than i normally do. like usually i i try to hit around like eight to ten thousand steps a day uh with like my run or whatever and then like yesterday i ran and i was at work so it was like seventeen thousand steps so uh i was a little tired last night um so yeah but other than that um and you know i have a fitbit i've shown i've sent you like like here's my run from the Fitbit or whatever, but uh, it also tracks your sleep if you wear it, like while you sleep. I always find out how how it does, how it manages to do that. But yeah, um... I don't fully understand, and it's not a hundred percent accurate because there's like one night where it says like I went to bed at three, which means that for like two hours I it wasn't registering that I was sleeping, um, at least two hours. Uh, but I noticed a, a bad trend that for like the last three weeks I've not slept more than five hours, um, mostly averaging around four to four and a half. And again, I haven't like fact check that that's a hundred percent like that's what i remember going to bed or whatever but like and i did notice the one day was like it said like three and a half hours i'm like wait it says i went to bed at 3 a.m that's definitely not true i haven't been i haven't gone to bed that late in a long time you know um, <laughs> not since the band days yeah well uh, 
a little a little later than that but yeah uh, it definitely <laughs> band days were like there were some nights where it was like 3 a.m 4 a.m that i was getting home much less like going to sleep but um you know if you play a show in like if you're playing at a bar in tampa at like 2 a.m is when you're leaving the bar because that's when the bar closes you know so it's like um and then you have to drive the hour and a half home and drop people off and dr- unload equipment yeah those were late nights but uh that's been that's been a decade now so <laughs> um just age, aging ourselves prematurely there but um yeah. well that is the that's the bloody awesome health kick podcast side of it done but you know what we're here for if you're new to the show on the bloody awesome movie podcast john and myself we take um the biggest release of the week or a major release of the week and we give a non-spoiler review all of our discussions are non-spoiler uh, but of course with what's happening in the world at the minute we are turning to streaming an awful lot so this week we are talking about The Devil All the Time from Netflix. Uh, it's written and directed by Antonio Campos, with uh, Paolo Campos co-writing it as well. And look at this for a cast. Robert Pattinson, Hayley Bennett, Tom Holland, Harry Melling, Bill Skarsgård, Riley Keough, Eliza Scanlon, Mia Wazakowska, Sebastian Stan, and JB's favourite, Jason Clark. Uh, what's it about? Sinister characters converge around a young man devoted to protecting those he loves in a post-war backwards town teeming with corruption and brutality. That synopsis doesn't fully cover the film for me, but um, and in terms of what the world seems to think of it, Metascore has it at 55. The IMDb user score is 7.2. The Rotten Tomatoes audience score is 83%, and the critics are currently at 64%. So to me... That is above average, and for the most part, people seem to like it. But what did we think about it? Um, the devil all the time. Firstly, yes, what an incredible cast that, that Campos managed to assemble. Now, not everybody in that cast has a starring role. So when we say it's starring, that may be you know loose or flippant. Some of these people come in and out as and when, how the story dictates. Some have bigger roles than others, like Tom Holland and Bill Skarsgård have bigger roles than, say, Harry Melling or, or even R. Pats himself, Robert Pattinson, but it doesn't mean you're any less memorable. Um, Devil All the Time, it's, it's a glum, grim story, generational story. It spans a couple of decades. And it's set between two towns. There's um, a very religious cloud hanging over the movie, but what you'll find is God isn't anywhere to be found at all in the actions of the characters. It's a fasc- I thought it was a fascinating study of belief versus um, reality. Uh, you can put a bit of forgiveness in there, but it's the idea of belief versus you know the rea- reality of this is the real world. Um, again, depending on which side of the pendulum you swing, but that is what the film is going for. Good performances all round. Plenty of southern drawls to admire. I've now adopted a southern accent. I said to John, um, I've been spending the whole day talking as a southerner. Um, but in terms of a message, there isn't anything major other than that uh, belief versus reality I mentioned. But I thought it was engaging. I it would never really set my pulse racing, but it never drops between like, a consistently de- very decent standing standard. I did think this was a very decent film. The pacing was a bit weird. Certain elements that they set up in the first half didn't really pay off in the second, or they were just kind of brushed under the carpet. Uh, but in terms of that cast. Robert Pattinson as uh, Reverend Preston Teagarden is despicable. Uh, the character, if everyone in this film is good, I'll say that now. Everyone gives a good performance for whatever they have to do. 
Eliza Scanlon is the tragic character, tragically underused. Uh, Tom Holland's a kind of protagonist. Bill Skarsgård's intense. Harry Melling is like theatrically solid. Riley Keough and Hayley Bennett, they're underused for their talents, I think. But in terms of how they are used in the film, it's understandable. But um, I like this film. I think it's a good film. It's not a, it's not a film we throw on to sit down and kind of like really enjoy. It's not like it's not like I said. It's not much to find, like levity to find. But it never kind of um, just reading the, the synopsis. It doesn't really scream happy film. And Sebastian Stan is also very good as the um, kind of um, crooked cop as well. But no, I, I like the top level. Then I thought this was a good film. I liked it an awful lot. It has a. I have a few issues with it here and there, um, and I liked the yeah the reality versus belief kind of situation that they went on. Great performances from the cast. Um, and from what I understand, it's a pretty faithful adaptation of the book. But what did you think, JB? Um, I liked it a, a lot, actually. Uh, it is, it's very, very dark. Um, I, I do like movies that, that grapple with like dark themes like this. Um, the idea of the evils of humanity, the performances are outstanding. Um, I, I like Bill Skarsgård a lot. I, I really... You know, Pennywise um, is the first performance that I really, like, was aware of him. And then he's in um, America. Oh, I can't think of the name of the movie. Uh, the the girls, like, there's, like, American Assassin. No, that's not right. That's not it's American right. Animals, American. Uh, uh, it was the four girls. Um, and like, Oh, Assassination Nation. That's it. He's I liked him in that, even though he's got a small part in that. Um, and I can't really think of anything else I've seen him in, but I thought he was terrific in this. Um, and he gets, oh, well, he's in Deadpool too, but let's not, that's not real. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's in it, but, um, and I don't really remember his role in Atomic Blonde, but um, I really, really liked him in this. I thought he was pretty great and uh, just kind of cemented his ability to, to play, like, because his character in this movie, I think, does a lot. Like, he changes dramatically depending on the moment because when we first meet him yeah the big time i think and that's uh, i think he just is so so good in that role um i I also harry melling uh is apparently netflix's little golden boy because he's been in uh the the old guard guard, this and then he was also in the ballad of buster scruggs uh, all netflix originals i do too and no it's not an insult it's like Here's a guy who most people are going to recognize and maybe not know why they recognize because he's the he's Dudley in the Harry Potter movies and he's he's he looks familiar but different, right? He doesn't look like the pudgy kid he was in yeah. those movies. Um but uh man, that dude can act. Like can and like you said, spent a I lot think, of time treading the boards. He's been doing theater work right. in between Potter and this kind of like renaissance and you can tell that in his performance and that isn't a negative though. In this role, it fits very, very well to be theatrical because he is playing like a preacher character, a very, I would say like a televangelist, pre-televangelism because there's no TV, but it's like that kind of vibe, you know, very big, very loud, lots of yelling. Uh, And that performance, I don't want to spoil the scene, uh, so I won't, but um, it's, it's one of the probably like most outstanding visuals this movie offers because it is so troubling mm-hmm. um if like it's one of those things there's a scene in hereditary that i've never been able to get out of my mind and this that sequence here i think has a very similar uh connotation actually even and um I, his performance is excellent um uh stan is stan is always pretty solid i was surprised uh stan 
like let himself go. It looks like for this movie, um, I'm used to him being kind of fit and, and, and like this buff guy. He's looking like, no offense to him. I was just, it, it was a different look than I've seen him play before, especially like compared to Bucky or even in um, the bronze, the comedy yeah, that yeah. Uh, from, uh, you know, he's a gymnast in that movie. You know, he's like very in shape. Um, it's gone all in here. I, I'm obviously a big fan of Pattinson in general. I think he does great, but horrible work like great work but god i hated him He's so much and, man. and then um tom holland though uh, again i really only know him as peter parker and i love him as peter parker he is my favorite peter parker mm-hmm. um and uh, getting hit to see him play this much more serious role he's so good yeah, i good just thought he was that diversity here yeah. yeah and it, it, like i already thought he was a good actor because i i thought he embodied peter so well but man, like getting to see him just break away from it, and I think hold his own. Like I think he's really, really good in this. Uh, now, here's the thing: I am a big Haley Bennett fan. Um, she's in a movie called Swallow uh, that I saw at Tribeca two years yeah. ago, and uh, it's I I like the movie. Some people really love the movie. It's troubling to say the least, but I she gets compared to J Law a lot because they have a similar look. And obviously Jennifer Lawrence, not so much in this movie. I almost didn't recognize her in this movie. But um, she's blonde with freckles, so they get compared because they're about the same age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Haley's better, but has not been given the opportunity that J Law has mm-hmm. been given, uh, which is definitely an unpopular opinion. I know a lot of people love J Law, fine. But so I was excited to see her in this. And then I'm a big uh, Eliza Scanlon fan. We reviewed Baby Teeth earlier this year. We did. Um, which, when we both loved that movie. And, um, and I love Little Women from uh, last year, yeah. uh, the Greta Gerwig version. She's very good. And she, so she, I, I get excited to see her being cast in things because I'm like, oh man, she's been she's knocked it out of the park every time. And uh, Riley Keough, I am a huge fan of. Um, my fa- like the biggest performance most people are going to know her from is Logan Lucky, which yep. is a big movie for her. She's done a lot of A24 stuff. She's in Honey, um, she's not she's Honey Boy. What's the uh, Sit Under the Silver Light, American Honey. I haven't seen Under the Silver Lake. That's one of the, the A24 gaps that I have. I think it's A24. Yes, film, it is. Uh, yeah. Or it might be Nia. Um, but she's always really, really good, right? Like, I'm a big fan of all of these. And I, I almost left off Mia Wasikowski. Mm-hmm. I, I like Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. I do not like the uh, the second one. I know it's a weird opinion. I just find it to be very, very rewatchable. Is it weird and, and kind of dumb? Yeah, but I enjoy that movie. I think the Alice in Wonderland, I, and it's mainly her. I, I love Crimson Peak. Um, she's good in um, the uh, the vampire Jim Jarmusch film. Can't think of what yeah, it's called for I've some got, reason. I've but the dead don't die in my head, and it's the one before that. Oh, that's great. Yes, um, man, I can't. I don't know. Why I can't think of it, but I love that movie. She's in that. She's really good in that as well. Although Tilda Swinton is just the best. Um, what about Jason Clark. So <laughs> I, I don't. I I don't love Jason Clark, but I want to come back to Jason Clark. The reason I brought up the four female actors in this is because they're all amazing, talented actresses. Mm-hmm. And this script, that is my biggest problem with the yes. script, is the female characters are severely underwritten and are ultimately uh, there for the male characters. Now, that is um, a debatable issue because you could argue that well, he didn't, that wasn't the story he was trying to tell, mm-hmm. and that's not untrue. However, it still feels like the other male characters have more time devoted to them. It's not even like the women don't get enough time devoted to them to really even develop them. 
Keo's got the most, I think. I think she's got the most development, oh, but even yeah. that still feels very yeah. background. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's what I, that's what I was saying, is that what they had to do, they're all very good in it, but they're underused in the context of the film. Yeah. You know, what they did was great, but yeah, remember, this is also... and. It's an, it's an adaptation of uh, Donald Ray Pollock's book, so he's kind of using that as well, sure. uh, who also narrated it. But no, I agree with you. They they were fantastic, but very under underutilized. But there is – they all get to do something, and they all – I think Bennett gets the least to do, unfortunately, because yeah, I, I think she's really good. Um, but, it, well, I guess Waskakowski really – I didn't even recognize her at first. Mm-hmm. And then when it clicked who it was and then, like what like, what happens to her character, I was just like – wow, I'm surprised she agreed to do mm-hmm. this. Like, it seemed like, like, I don't know, to me, she's a really big star and like, it, it, it feels like she hasn't been doing a lot lately, but I don't know. But, um, Scanlon, I think gets some, and I think there, there is a moment in this movie that I don't think I've been as audibly upset by as I was with this, where my daughter was like, what just happened? I was like, well, I can't tell you, but man, it bugged me. Yeah. Um, like it really, like, I was so floored, and uh, we actually um, kind of comically my uh, my my film three honors class, which is my seniors this year. Uh, four of them watched this movie, and they wanted to talk about it. So we we ended up talking about it for like ten minutes, um, and kind of breaking things down and, and trying saying spoiler free because the other uh, four or five kids hadn't seen it, but we were trying to you know it's not for everybody, but there's a really great cast. But me you know, and I'm like, it was really interesting hearing their perspectives because they're you know they're seventeen, eighteen, and that's kind of holland's character's age Mm -hmm. in the movie give or take a few years so like um and they they had very different opinions like one really didn't like the movie overall but you know thought the performances were really good and one really really was like in kind of in the same place that i'm at with just i just found that the the subject matter was so engaging Mm -hmm. uh and the way it's handled and um that but that scene we 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 didn't go into details again like we're not gonna hear but we were all like kind of like that scene though like man um, i know exactly what you mean yeah uh it it will it will get a reaction out of you it could be anger it could be shock it could be uh sadness but you will get some type of emotional reaction and you'll know what moment we're talking about but uh lastly i guess um jason clark uh actually you know what before that i just realized matthew vaughn the director is in this movie as one of the um his he's listed as uh, poacher number one. Uh, oh, therefore, I, I, I thought I recognized poacher number one from somewhere. Yeah, so I was like, I'm like, is that Matthew Vaughn, like the director? And sure enough, it is. Uh, I, but, no so idea. Jason Clark, yeah, Jason Clark, so like the human equivalent of a horse to you. I I don't know what it is about him that I don't find to be good most of the time. I don't think he's bad in this movie. and to be fair i don't often think he's bad i just think that there are better he's so vanilla (laughs) to me like he just plays everything so like neutral and he kind of looks neutral like i'm just like i don't know you know what like there's got to be someone more interesting to to cast than clark and i don't i don't even i wish i could articulate more outside of he's vanilla but i just it he always feels bland in every role to me and I didn't think he was good at all in Pet Cemetery. I thought he was better here. And I'm not going to lie. Like, I'll never be able to get his performance from Serenity out of my head. Like, that, that's just going to be burned He's in there John forever. Connor, don't forget. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And that's a bad performance, yep. too. That's just a bad right? film. Like, yeah, yeah, true, true. But, man. Um, ugh, yeah, that was... I need some Winchester. I don't know, dude. 
<laughs> God, it was, oh, maybe that's where the bad taste came from. Crap that movie. But then he, he's in First Man, and like he's supposed to be one of the emotional like hits in that movie, and it really it didn't for me. I'm just like, yeah. It's, 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 just, you and, right. it's just you and Jason Clark just have a, a strange relationship, don't you? I felt bad because uh, my student who wanted who brought this movie up was I, I mentioned similar things and he's like I really like him I'm like yeah that's cool man I don't know I like I don't him. know what it is a lot of people don't I mean obviously he's getting cast so some, people must like him enough I just I don't see the allure of him because he's in a lot of yes. movies it's not like he's just in a couple and I have to deal with it like and I I mean I watch a lot uh, of movies by comparison to your average you know person but like. I mean, and again, like he's Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I really like that movie. I Since he was in like Zero Dark Thirty, what, 10, 8 to 9, 10 years ago, he's consistently been yeah. in films and, you know, fairly high profile films as well. I actually like him in Zero Dark Thirty now that I think about it, though, he's to be honest. Like, film. that's probably my favorite um, favorite role. And uh, I didn't like him in Mudbound. Um, I don't remember him in Public Enemies at all but i I, bear, I vaguely watched that movie to be fair i remember him um, in everest because he kind of was the lead in that film i i only have seen parts of everest uh the parts without jason Clarkin. maybe i was on the treadmill when i was watching it so i was definitely not giving it my all and everybody's bearded in that so i don't know if i would have even recognized him um true you know, that's fair enough yep uh they're wearing goggles and you know i mean Rightfully so. It makes sense that they would be covered. Like, I didn't see the aftermath. That looked bad to me. And I saw then, that, and I thought it was pretty good, actually. Yeah, Sean said the same thing, but we like the trailer didn't make it look good. No, and no, so yeah, I had, yeah, the and film then, was better than the trailers. And then Clark was in it, so I was just like, I don't have any desire to see this movie. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of scrolling through his filmography. He's in a lot of stuff. Yeah, yes, I mean, he's, he's consistently cast. And again, I this is coming from somebody who's got... No beef with him necessarily. I think he's fine. Like, again, I don't think he sets the world alight in any of his performances. But I think he's just a very good guy to have in your film because you know what you're going to get from him, kind of thing. Like you know, like a lot of respectable, decent actors. Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what yeah. I said, right? Like if kind you're going to go get if you're going to go get dessert, you could get a vanilla ice cream, and you know what it's going to be. It's uh, it's hard pressed to get a bad vanilla ice cream, right? Like it's it's vanilla ice cream. It's yeah. fine. But there's better dessert options, is all I'm saying. Like, there's other choices that are much more compelling than vanilla ice cream. I mean, even a little bit of hot fudge makes oh, the, yeah. the ice cream better, right? And that's hot just not... everything better. Yeah, you, but you ain't getting that with Jason Clark. You're getting vanilla flipping ice cream, and that's all you get. Well, if you're listening, Jason, cover yourself in hot fudge next time, and maybe we've got a deal. Serenity Part 2. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. The no. ice cream shop. No more. <laughs> Oh, Pet Cemetery 2. Let's get a sequel. There was a re- sequel to the original film. Let's bring back Jason for that. Oh, boy, that movie. Yeah, I, I, I was more up on that movie than most. But um, but about this film, I, I, it's interesting what you mentioned about the devil all the time with your students that, you know, one of them liked the performances but didn't didn't like the film, whereas the other appreciated a lot more. It's Because that is how I'm seeing this film. And it, a lot of people either, they either think it's, you know, very decent like me or they really like it. Or they just don't really like it. I spoke to my buddy the other day. He said, have I seen it? I said, no, I'm watching it tonight, as it were. And he said, oh, I said, what did you think of it? And I don't say anything, but he said, oh, I didn't really like it very much. I was like, okay. Um, and, I'm, and I heard that online as well, that people either just didn't like it, or they thought it was quite intriguing, quite decent. So it's interesting that a, the younger uh, audience are saying the same thing as well. 
I really want to see. Um, I've not seen Campos's other films, and I'm. I, if listeners probably know, I'm a big fan of like filmography, so I like to dive into directors' works and stuff. Yeah. Um, I really have wanted to see Christine for a while, and this has made me like. I really need to like make an effort to watch that movie because um, there's two versions of that movie. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think there is maybe there's a documentary, and then um, and then the the feature, or there's. Um, yeah, no, I think I know of the feature. I know that for sure with Rebecca, um, Rebecca Hall in. What, yeah, Rebecca Hall and Michael Michael C. Hall. Uh, I I definitely want to watch that, and it's been on my radar for a while. Now that I know it's his, I'm like, okay, I I need to um, uh, I need to to make the effort mm-hmm. to check it out because I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix as well. Um, and there are two movies. There's uh, Christine, which is his, and then there's Kate plays Christine, which is also about her. Right, okay. Like the because uh, it's based on a true story, um, and this that one's the documentary film apparently. So that's why I, th- I th- uh, a slash film covered it years ago, and I've been like it's been on my radar since the slash film cast talked about it, and I just have not made the effort to watch it. Well, Campos was he was um, apparently signed up to direct the the Omen prequel film, which oh. I think has kind of died a death now. But he was so back way back. This is around the time of Christine as well. Um, he was signed up for that. Um, I'm assuming it, it's not going to happen, but or it's it's, it's listed on Letterbox for the first Omen. I'm assuming is the prequel, and it's uh, listed as 2021. Wow, no, but, okay, in that case, but is he still uh, against it? Or it's it's he's it's on his filmography as that um, with Goyer as a producer. So wow. that's so oh yeah that's, yeah the first Omen. So maybe it is then, but because I don't I knew there's a prequel coming, but. Uh, well, before that, I wouldn't have necessarily the name wouldn't have jumped out like Antonio Campos. It wouldn't have jumped out. But now, having seen this and being aware of Christine, then it raises my interest a little bit more because I think whilst this film isn't isn't visually kind of like mind blowing, it's still very it still looks good. It's still it's a beautiful, very nice shots and good cinematography in it. So I'd be interested yeah. to see what he could do in a different. Um, I say different genre. I mean, it's, at times like this is a. It's quite tough, like you say. There's a couple of moments. There's a few moments in this film that are um, tough to watch. I mean, there's, a, there's one that I watched, and I kind of like. Well, I winced. I winced when it happened. I was like, "Oh, it kind of like right." Well, this is the tone of the film. And I was like, "Okay, now I know what where we're going with this." And to be honest, it never really let up throughout the whole film. And there's you get um, these like, intertwining kind of stories, and mm-hmm. you know, in them, there's usually something awful happening to someone, and there. Um, so I there was a few times and I was just like, uh, and that one you mentioned as well was, um, yeah, not yeah. nice. There is a uh, like a crash like story structure vibe to this, you know, mm-hmm. where everything's connected and those those interactions that you don't really think will mean anything have like lasting ramifications and that kind of thing. And I would argue this is executed much better than the crash story. Like the the things I that agree. happen feel more like oh wow or whatever, and then. Um, also though, cause I, I did not look what this was, right. I did not look it up. I did not, uh, watch a trailer or anything. I just saw the cast was like, wow, that seems like something worth watching. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, uh, it opens where it feels like it's going to be a romantic comedy or at least like a romance. Cause it's got kind of like a notebook vibe to it. Cause it's like, this guy's coming Come off the military. Yeah. Cause it starts right. off in and, one generation. It moves to the next, doesn't it? But the narration, which is something that I know a lot of people, can, you know, there's different points of view of whether or not film narration is ever okay. Right. Like some people hate narration. Mm-hmm. I tend to like it. Um, especially if it's used in creative ways. And this one is because if you listen carefully, 
he reveals how dark this movie is going to get yeah. real early, but it's thrown away as like just this weird passing comment. And you're like, wait, well, hold on. What did you just say? Yeah, and he on. just keeps going. Yeah. Like he just keeps, you know, plowing through and you're like, no, I'm pretty sure he just said something pretty screwed up. And I don't, I don't know what this movie's going to be. And then when like you get going, you're like, Oh my God, this movie is so freaking dark. Yes. And that is if, if you're not a fan of films that lack any kind of joy, um, this film may not, I wouldn't say not for you, but you may not find an awful lot to, to take from it. Like you say, it's, when it starts off, there's a kind of, um, there's an effervescence. There's like a bounce to it, uh, which then quickly gets stamped all over and um, urinated on uh, by events of the film and the characters that get brought in. But the strength of the performances is what sells the characters. Cause yeah, someone like Robert Pattinson, his character it, it could come across as schlocky or hammy because he's certainly chewing that scenery, but it's restrained. Yeah. In the, and I'm not saying anyone else, but there would be other actors in it who would, it, it wouldn't have the same, um, it wouldn't have the same power or same presence that Robert Patterson brings to that role. Same again for Tom Wait, Holland. I- he brings that kind of, not quite naivety, but he, he, he kind of channels a little bit of Peter Parker, but with a streetwise, yeah. more of a streetwise energy and, um, they, I think uh, the casting a, was spot on, even if they didn't get what a, to do. There's a sequence with with Holland though, where it's like it, it kind of shows the more adult side of him, mm-hmm. um, and that's really really well done. And then I think Pattinson's character, while he, I think the performance is like again big, like like Melling, um, because they're playing similar types of characters. Um, heads, yep. And I think, oh, good point. Uh, I think that they they are playing a persona though in those moments yes. too right like they're that's their public yeah. persona and it's it's big for that reason and i think that works um especially i i have seen preachers like that out both on uh tv and um and in real life you know with these people that they're just like they it's a show it's a performance whether or not they believe what they're they're spitting out is is obviously you hope so you hope if if your job is to convince people to think a certain way that you you actually believe what you're saying yeah. um and I think that's a debatable thing here with these two guys too. I think I think there's definitely one truly believes what they're saying, and I think the other one may not. The other one uh, does without, not. Without getting into which, you know, like let that be the the non spoiler element mm-hmm. of this conversation. But I think both are. Uh, that's, I think there's a lot to really dissect in this film too. I think that um, there are so many characters that are if you that aren't directly put next to each other, but if you pull back and look at them, what it's saying about this whole uh the themes that you brought up of like religion and and faith and belief mm-hmm. and i i just find that endlessly compelling because it's something i i've been thinking about this movie since i watched it Same. like in just processing things and i again it's not and i i was telling um my i have two uh history teacher friends that i i have a group chat with that we talk all the time and while i was watching this i'm like i'm really enjoying this movie and I'm like, and the cast is phenomenal, but know that it is super dark. <laughs> I mean, so I'm not it, recommending. But... <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not recommending that you sit with it because it's not something that like it's definitely not a feel good movie. And for me, I'm already thinking about these types of themes and topics set in the world we're living in. So it didn't feel like it was. It didn't bring me down. It just was like another way of looking at things that I'm already 
pondering, you know? So I, I found it really, really compelling. What I, what I, what I find also quite compelling is not necessarily about the film, but how many people do you think are going to tune into this? Because like you said, and, like, and, and I'm the same, we've said it before, the cast alone sold me on this. I didn't even know what the yeah. film was about. I was just like, do you know what? With that cast, I'm in. So how many um, people, not the matter how old they're, young old, are going to think Robert Pattinson, Tom Holland, Bill Skarsgård, Eliza Scanlon's in it? Sweet. Oh, Jason Clark's in it. Great. John's on board. How many people are going to see that and will be introduced to this film or the, even like this kind of film or this side of the actors um, just from seeing that cast list? I wonder, I wonder how many people and hopefully quite a lot because then more films like this can be made. Because again, films like this don't always work, but it's important no. that they get made so that so the different voices get heard. These actors have something else to act in and it's just a way of some, somebody else, a filmmaker, storyteller getting his message out or his thoughts or beliefs out there so i'm interested to know and again it's a, it's non-quantifiable we're never going to know but i'd love to find out just how many people tuned in because of that cast list yeah uh, and i'm sure I, i'm pretty sure at least two of my students that watched it uh because of it's on netflix that, that's the thing too um i don't think netflix really did a great job of like pushing this one out there they also did this dropped on a weird day like it dropped on like thursday yeah. i think um, and that's not their normal drop date for their big releases are Friday, right? Like that's, that's the Netflix. Mm -hmm. We have faith in this project. We're dumping it on Friday. Um, and this came out Wednesday or Thursday that week. And, uh, the big, something else dropped on Friday. It was a show. Ratchet. Yeah, right, right. So that was the big, uh, which I haven't watched cause I have no time, but that was, um, their big release for that week. And so that like, they didn't do this movie any favors, which is an, another complaint. I think a lot of critics, especially throw at Netflix is that we're like, Hey, you've got these great movies. Please don't bury them with all of the other stuff. Like make them it's always been the same. Though, isn't it? It's always been the same with Netflix mm -hmm. is their, their marketing camp. I, I think bright was the only one I really ever saw a marketing campaign oh, for. Man. And that was a word that rhymes with bright. That film ended up being, but, um, right. And, but a film like this, I mean, you've only got to put out a couple of adverts, show Robert Pattinson, show, show again, show Tom Holland, Bill Skarsgård, Eliza Scan, get their face and Sebastian Stan. They appeal to um, different uh, genre uh, genre fans because they've been in Harry Potter, they've been in the MCU, they, they're going to be Batman, Eliza Scanlon. She's got a huge fan base. Um, I know that from doing the Baby Teeth <laughs> review. Um, Bill Skarsgård, people love Bill Skarsgård. Get these and Briley Care is a wonderful actress. Get these people. Yeah. Get 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 a, get a TV advertisement on there. Get you know, put it on TV. Break the break your own bloody boundaries and you know get people on board with these films because it also just again more people who watch it, we get more quality like this on Netflix rather than some of the other things they drop on there. Um, kissing Booth two. No, exactly. We're getting a Kissing Booth three. Give me. I'd yeah. rather sit through two a two and a half hours of the Devil All the Time two when it's just more like just misery than sit through yeah. seven hours or even, even half an hour of misery of the kissing booth three. Well, that, that will be the devil all the time too, will be uh Tom Holland having to watch the kissing. Booth <laughs> yeah. And it's just hit his misery the whole time. I'd like, a, we mentioned a mashup last week. I'd like a mashup between this film and the kissing booth three, except for the kissing booth three cast doesn't end well in, in film. Yeah. Um, but uh, have you got anything else to mention about the devil all the time? 
I think that without getting into a lot of spoilers, no, that's going to have to do it. Yeah, I think we could we could talk about this film quite a lot in depth. But uh, yep, same here. So we're both up on it, both giving it a thumbs up. So guys, go check it out. It's on Netflix internationally. So go check it out and um, support this excellent cast. So, um, and of course, with the caveat, it's not for everybody. So. <laughs> yes, exactly. Don't show it to your kids. I think it's a, I think it's an eighteen rated over here in the United Kingdom. So whatever that uh, relates to in the states, a very hard. Yeah, art. definitely be a, an R and. Uh, it, it, I don't think it would have got NC-17, but there's a few, like, the way he presents some of it is done in a way that I think would have dissuaded the NC-17, but easily could have still been argued in that direction. I think it would again, have been I can't say to how, but, so I think it yeah. Close. But then again, it, it had to be in the cinemas. Who knows how it would have gone? So check it out on Netflix. Um, so now we're moving on to our next segment, which is called Chuffed Headlines. Me and John basically... Uh, we try to keep our finger on the pulse of movie or pop culture news, but sometimes there'll be one headline or, or a few that'll catch our attention. It could be um, funny, it could be lighthearted, it could be deadly serious, or it could be in memoriam. So, JB, what on earth have you picked for this week? Well, sir, I am a fan of the actor, not so much his real life, but the actor Tom Cruise. <laughs> and uh, he he has obviously become iconic with crazy stunts. Yeah thanks to the Mission Impossible series especially. Um, and uh, the, currently, he seems to have two directors that he likes to work with, right? He does Macquarie's movies, which are now going to be all Mission Impossible films, and Doug Lyman, uh, who he did uh, Edge of Tomorrow. And now um, Lyman and him have officially signed on with Elon Musk uh, to travel to space, uh, and we'll get our first ever outer space filmed film. Wow. Um, and it's apparently official. Now, that's it, it's not, the idea is not news. They've been talking about this for a while now. I, I don't remember exactly when, but it's at least this year. Like we, I've heard about it for months. Well, they said the Rise um, of Skywalker but, was going to have a, a space um, scene in it where they're actually going to go to space. They never did it. I mean, their minds are in space half the time. But um, it, it's no surprise that Tom Cruise is the one to do it, is it? Right. And obviously, of like he if um, there's a, a the story of the Halo jump from... Um, <sighs> Uh, it's an impossible fallout. From, yes, from Fallout, and the story is that like that was introduced to Cruz back with like Ghost Protocol, um, but the, he he said the only way we'll do the stunt is you have to be able to see that it's me because he doesn't want to do the stunt yeah, yeah. people can't tell that he actually did it, which makes sense because I mean if you're going to risk your life, people need to know that you actually did it, not just like well, it could have been anybody. Like you, I get that to be fair, like some people might think that's egotistical. I'm like no, if you're risking your life, you deserve the credit. Like no one should be able to dispute the thing you did. This like, is your legacy as well. Uh, your, your name's on that poster, right. and you know this is what you're leaving as your legacy. This is your job. You want people to see you doing your job. So, Right. So odds are someone introduced this idea to Cruz and he would not, I, I, based on the stories from that Halo jump, he would not let it go. And now it's officially happening. Um, and obviously until it actually happens, it's not official, but it, it looks like everything's a go. Um, it's still untitled, but it was pitched universal with exuberant zoom call because Cruz is, is notoriously enthusiastic, right? Um, we'll we'll never forget his, exactly. I was about to make that exact (laughs) reference because we'll never forget that. Um, they're obviously working on Mission Impossible 7 and 8. I've heard different rumors about um, that being filmed either simultaneously or uh, if they're going to be filmed in succession. But um, I I am a uh, fan of Cruz. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm curious to see uh, that what, what this movie will be. I hope it'll be interesting and not just like, you know. Gimmick. 
gimmicky, but I mean, I, I'm down for the gimmick. And like, is it going to be gravity, but in space, you know, like, uh, I'm curious, um, to see what it goes. What, what are your thoughts? Um, same as you. I'm curious because obviously space is infinite, but there's not an awful lot to do up there apart from like a, a spacewalk maybe. So I imagine at some point there will be a camera outside of the ship and he will go on a space tethered to the ship and he'll go on a spacewalk or something to really show the gravitas of the film and to get some, you know, some literally out of this world sh- like shots of earth and things like that. Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, this is the guy like he did the halo jump. He's learned to fly an F-16 for Christ's sake, for Maverick. He's literally just, you know, and, you know, I've got half an hour spare. I'm going to learn to fly a fighter jet. I mean, the man is absolutely dedicated to um, his craft, which is admirable. And it's, and, and in the best way as well, there's method actors who take it too far and are a bit goonish. Tom Cruise just, I don't know where I'm on about. Tom Cruise just loves his work and he wants to have that body of work and that legacy. And, you know, more power to you. I mean, yes, the mummy was rubbish, but we everyone's had a few. Um, yeah, everyone's had a few hiccups. Even then, he had that um, zero gravity shot with, um, scene right. as well, and that with um, I can't remember the actress's name now. But um, so even even then, he was doing things like that. But this, though, I mean, it's it was only I guess the, ne- the next logical step, isn't it? He, he's he is jumping on the couch, so he's obviously even at that moment he was expressing his desire to go higher. Um, the halo jump, learning to fly an F sixteen. Where do you go from there? Space. But I'm with you, though. What, I mean, what's the story going to be? Is it going to be an, an astronaut story? Are we going to chart him from leaving Earth to actually going into space? Would it be set only in space? I mean, of course, we've got no idea. But uh, look, colour me intrigued. I'm, I'm all for it. I like Tom Cruise when he's in the right role, um, which is usually most of the time. But I'm just interested to see how, like you said, how are they going to frame this now? Is it just going to be, you know, look at us, it's Elon Musk's, um, throwing his money whilst grinning at everyone just to put Tom Cruise in space, just to say he f- did it. You know, who's going to be, who who are they going to get to direct here? That'll be interesting. And just what's the story going to be? I, I mean, I'm sure they're going to give it a bloody good go, but I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued more than anything at the minute. Yeah, me too. What is your headline for the week? Um, well, mine is something which I think has been in the pipeline for a while, and I think a few people have joked about it um, offhand. But um, Jim Caviezel, Jesus Christ himself, the other JC, has recently come out and said that The Passion of the Christ 2 is happening with Mel Gibson, and it will be the biggest film ever. I mean, anyone saying that it's going to be the biggest film ever is putting their neck out on the line. Um, but a story about the resurrection of Christ may be able to take that claim but the idea that the passion of the christ 2 is coming out now what decade and a half after the first one intrigued me because it's just just because that first one was financially a big hit and again it was very divisive because of the subject matter some people liked it some hated it whereas obviously those who were more uh, attuned to the faith aspect of it really didn't like it others didn't like the depiction of violence others thought it was um, the perfect depiction of violence, and it took away some of the um, the shine which you might get, or you might expect. Um, but the idea that you know Mel Gibson has kind of come back uh, with his background, and I know he did uh, Hacksaw Ridge was excellent. I agree. But you know Mel Gibson's status in the game, having this film come out again a decade and a half later, and he's on his third draft. Mel Gibson, he's really going in for this. 
And also because it reminded me of the uh, <laughs> the Family Guy skit where they've already given us a trailer yeah. for the Passion yeah. of the Christ to crucify this. Now, if it's going to be like that, sign me up. I'm all over that. I don't think it will be Jesus Christ, you know, like on a Harley Davidson taking everyone out in Quahog. But um, well, I don't know. Um, I'm just interested in this, firstly, because is it actually going to happen? Secondly, could it be the biggest film ever in world hit Actually, the exact quote was the biggest film in world history. And um, d- yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on that then? So firstly, we're getting the film, apparently. Is it going to be, could it be the biggest film in world history? And how is it going to fare in this day and age? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think so. I, I'm, was there a synopsis of like what it would be? Because like, it's dealing with the resurrection of Christ. So the first one is obviously um, the betrayal of Christ, and then this one's going to be the resurrection. But, but, tra- in fact, that's what it's called—the Passion of the Christ Resurrection. But traditionally, you know, what I mean, like it's not like he just he just comes back and, and vanishes, right? Like <laughs> moves the rock out of the way, and then that's it. Yeah, goes to work in a record store in Cohog, and the rest is history. Um, I mean, before Deadpool, uh, The Passion of the Christ was the highest rated, highest grossing R-rated film, um, and then Deadpool yes. knocked it off. Uh, but to be fair, ticket prices had gone up and things of that nature. So there's there's factors there that maybe you know I don't think we need to like compare Deadpool to Christ in this co- comment. But <laughs> he would, um, he would for sure. I'm, I'm sure uh, Reynolds probably has uh, realistically, but um, but yeah, you know, um, I I don't. I can't imagine this being. I I do think people will go to it, right? Yes, and, I'll go. And see. I think it will be very divisive uh, because how do you make this a compelling film and not just you know like what we said, like just a guy vanishing in the first ten minutes? What you know, what I mean? like because um, and they did the movie. The there was a movie Rise, right? Was wasn't that like a few years ago where it was from like the Roman centurion like trying to track down. It was yeah. like a, it was like a, um, what's the, the type of movie where like you get the manhunt movie. It was like a manhunt movie for Christ. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it had Draco Malfoy in it. Uh, like as one of the oh, other guys. Tom. Yes. Um, I didn't see it. I just remember like, I'm like, wow, this seems like a weird premise. Like, um, and it, it honestly sounds like, like it would be the continuation of the hail Caesar movie from hail Caesar, you know, like that. It's like, this is Baird Whitlock after the, the resurrection so like is that the direction that this is going to go it it's it's questionable right like that's um yes and it's a story that people know as well let's i mean again regarding putting aside any anyone's personal beliefs mine yours or anyone listening everybody knows the story right. of uh, Jesus Christ the um the betrayal and the resurrection so whereas the passion of the Christ i you know they they pulled off a two hour plus long film, which dealt with everything leading up to, you know, Pontius's betrayal and the um, hanging him on the cross. There's, there's a lot to cover there. What can they cover in this film? And again, I'm not Mel Gibson and I'm not right. Thank God. And I'm not right in this film, but I mean, he's got to try and make this compelling two hour story where, you know, like you say, the main protagonist vanishes, right? Rises again. And van- what, what are they going to do before that? I mean, I don't, and who's going to, how are they going to write this for the screen and make it compelling? And what ang- what slant are they going to go for? I, it, it's because it, this one, I mean, it, it got me thinking about this, and that and that's why because I can't I can't picture what how they do it. 
Yeah, it, it's it's a weird. It's especially like this far out. Like it's so long ago, and Mel Gibson is so, you know, like the whole anti-Semitism thing. Like it's. Do you really want to go back to this well? Like this because yeah. that came out before that, and then that happened, and he's just started to get some of his like. There's still a lot of people who are not okay with him having the redemption arc, you know, because like Hacksaw Ridge, really good movie, of course, yeah. But people weren't like thrilled that it was connected to Mel Gibson. Then he did Daddy's Home Two, not a good movie. Um, yeah. But people weren't thrilled <laughs> that he was there. And then he did the what is it, Dragged Across Concrete? He did with the um, the guy from Bone Tomahawk, and mm-hmm. that yeah. that didn't get very good reviews. Um, it got good reviews, but there were people who were unhappy about the Mel Gibson elements of it because of. And so, exactly. like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I get that you're trying, but maybe that's not the direction you go. And maybe do the do the cheesy stuff, you know, like the the old comedies that Gibson used to do. You know, um, let's do Maverick too, where like he's dude, just exactly. I mean, I'll oh, just let's just do Braveheart too, where it's just like his body parts or something. I don't know. Fine, I, I think a lot of people would pay to see that, but um, that, that's it. There's a stigma, quite rightly attached to. Mel Gibson for you know, the crap he's been spit spewing um, for years and his actions. But at the same time, like we said, he's very capable of delivering a great film. Again, I'm, you can't deny that. Or some people may, they may not have liked things like Hacksaw Ridge, but it's a very, very well-made film. It's a very good film, I think. And, you know, Mel Gibson just happens to be behind it. Um, that's and, again, and The Passion of the Christ, very affecting film. You know, just because he was at the head of it, I'm not going to um, dismiss it. And the same goes for the sequel. Just because he's attached to it, I'm not going to ultimately dismiss it just because of him. Because like everybody says in these moments, what about the cast? What about the crew who worked so very hard on this film to get it made? Do we boycott their work as well? So there's that side of it. But I'm just interested in what the hell he's going to do. Do Yeah, it's it's definitely an odd uh, an odd choice. So. Like, well, that's our that's our headlines for the week. One um, not so surprising, and one quite surprising. So, uh, guys, let us know what your thoughts are on those as we move on to media consumption. What the hell have John and myself been consuming since the last episode? Uh, movies, TVs, video games, books, podcasts that aren't ours. Now, what have we been doing to pass the time? So, JB, what the hell have you been doing to pass the last seven days? Well, not enough. I've been working way too much. Um, and uh, my college classes started this week. Uh, I teach two night classes. Um, and they're, they're all online this semester, which is the first time. But that, that this is the first week. Uh, technically, last week was the first week. This is the first real week because the first week is kind of more like introduction stuff. And then this week, they're, they actually have assignments to do. So, like, I have to – like, I've had a lot of emails because normally – I teach like an intro to computer courses, right? Like they're, they're both Microsoft office. Um, but I get a wide range of student base. Like, so I have some who are really, really, really computer competent. And these classes are like a bore to them. And then I have people who are learning how to use a computer with me. And that's hard enough in person. It's unbelievably hard online, right? Cause it's like, yeah. so that that's been my time is like, fielding emails, working on my lesson plans for my high school stuff, uh, building content. And I just have had a really hard time getting to any media whatsoever. Um, but I, I consistently listen to the blank check podcast every week. So that's been, um, my kind of go-to pod. Uh, I've had to skip uh, a couple of weeks of slash film because I haven't been able to watch the movies that they've, they've reviewed. And I don't like 
I don't like listening to their, they do a non-spoiler section, but then they do a spoiler section and I like to listen to the whole episode. Yep. So if it's a movie I want to watch, you I don't listen to that. Yeah. Right. So, and then, um, uh, I have a hard time like picking like things to watch like that. Uh, you know, I'm trying to work. So I'll throw something on the background. I end up not throwing anything on the background and just like working with maybe, uh, I throw music on, I guess I didn't, I didn't think to add any music. I've listened to a lot of Taylor Swift and, um, um, Oh, there's a, Oh, uh, I really like clipping. Um, it's a, uh, it's David Diggs's rap group. Nice. Um, but it's, it's only him rapping. Like he's with two other guys, but they do the music and they they do like, it's this weird, not traditional beats for rap music. Some of them feel traditional, but then they'll break into these weird, like kind of like sound effects stuff. It's, it's very experimental, but David Diggs is such a tremendous rapper. I really, there's like five or six songs by them that I, I love. And, uh, so like I use a uh, YouTube music for my music subscription mm-hmm. and, um, I, I do my like I, I've, I've it used to be Google Play Music. Google Play has phased out, and they've gone YouTube Music. And uh, th- I've got years of like thumbs up on songs that I like. So I get I just often will like do the your like playlist, and it'll it'll suggest things based on what I like. But it it's uh, it's not always great. Right now it, it cycles between rap music and Taylor Swift. It's kind of funny. Um, and uh, System of a Down and Rage Against the Machine because like when the protest started, I got really into those two bands because. <laughs> um, because I'm like, those are like protest music. And, uh, but I, I watched one or two episodes of Legend of Korra, which I'm slowly working through season two. I watched Mean Streets for Movie Club, which, uh, nice. was, is really good. Have you seen Mean Streets? I have seen Mean Streets, yes. Yeah, Corey and I had both, uh, not seen that Scorsese film. So it was a, a big one for us, uh, to check off our list. Um, and then this week we will be watching, I've not watched it yet, but we'll be watching, um, Cape Fear, the remake yeah. that Scorsese did in 91. I name. saw that as a kid. And I haven't seen it since then. And I don't know that I really think probably good that I didn't pay a lot of attention to it when I was a kid. because I was probably like 11 <laughs> when it came out. Um, but I finished Shane Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Hail Caesar because my classes have been watching those and I've been watching them in segments. Uh, so I have watched all three of those, um, which that takes time too, because I'm, I'm writing questions while I'm watching them because I'm watching them before the students and then the students are watching them on their own and answering the questions. So I have to like, build the questions so that it takes longer to watch the, the segments that I'm watching. Uh, and I've played very little, but uh, the couple of times I've played some video games was Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2, uh, which I'm, I've am i got, I've unlocked everything in Pro Skater 1 as far as, not everything, I've not, I've unlocked all the levels. There's a lot of stuff I haven't unlocked. And then I've unlocked um, half of Pro Skater 2 at this point. And then uh, I've gotten back into Dead by Daylight. Um, a couple of my friends are playing, and uh, I played for a little bit the other night, um, having fun. I'm using Ash as my, uh, my character because I like Ash a lot, um, from the evil dead. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a fun game. It's, um, I, I, the first, I played it years ago and I don't think I ever fully like grasped how to play it. Like I, I knew what the premise was and I got the general idea, but uh, there were like little mechanics that I didn't quite pay attention to like details. And in like 10 minutes of playing with my friend who takes games very, very seriously, um, (laughs) It was like it was like you have to listen to this thing and i'm like oh okay that makes sense and then realizing that like it's easier to hide from the the killer than i had previously thought it was like i had a moment where i was just like slowly crouching back and forth between like a, a, a like tires i just kept like moving to one side as they walked around trying to find me and like they didn't see me and i'm like oh, okay i need to be uh more aware of the ability to hide because in the past i think i would have just started running immediately and then you 
you usually die if you end up in a run because it's you know they're they see you now like the whole point is to stay hidden as much as possible but uh, it's not that you can't escape but it is much harder but that's kind of it i i feel like i need to watch more movies um you still watch quite a few yeah but again those were they're all work related uh and i got a couple i at least have um they, they're going to be watching uh, No Country for Old Men um, as their follow-up to Shane because we're going to—they're studying the Western genre, but we're doing neo-Western for the uh, the second film, and then um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is going to be followed up. Uh, I still haven't made a final decision, but I'm leaning towards Arrival. Um, I like to do an old and a new, and Arrival is just a movie that speaks really, really strongly to me. I've had mixed reviews from students because it is—I think it—I think that movie lands a lot more for parents. Um, I wasn't a fan of it still. I don't get that. <laughs> that's, that how, that's John's biggest issue. So I didn't hate it. I just thought it was just fine. Oh man, I I cried so hard when that movie ended. <laughs> I do need to rewatch um, it though. I, I will say that I will rewatch it with an open mind soon though. Um, but uh, and then uh, Interstellar. But Interstellar is such a, a long movie, and um, but almost everyone seems to appreciate that movie more. Like I, I but I think Arrival is super strong and. Um, I also, I love the storytelling mechanic of it. I think it's, and I also, uh, Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner are both really good in that movie. And Denis Villeneuve has found his, uh, to me, he found his genre with Arrival because then he does Blade Runner 2049, which is amazing. And Dune looks fantastic from the trailer, right? So, uh, so I think sci-fi is where he, and I mean, really you could argue enemy is sci-fi, uh, for sure. Also, um, I don't know if you've seen enemy, but I haven't uh, seen enemy. No. This, the only film I haven't seen of his is uh, Prisoners, and but I'm a big fan of of everything else. Like I love Sicario, and um, really, really like Enemies. Enemies is super weird. Um, he definitely likes oranges too. Like that, he likes that like tinted kind of like beigey orange look. Uh, you see it in Blade Runner. I think it's in Dune a little bit as well. Uh, Arrival, not so much, but but uh, yeah, that's that's what I've been dealing with. What about you, sir? Um, I've. <clears throat> excuse me tried to watch a bit more this week or catch up with more um haven't really been listening to podcasts this week um because i've been watching more films or reading stuff so i've been watching for npm uh, moving picture madness we're doing godzilla this week but it's kind of more modern mod uh, modzilla godzilla film so we're kind of comparing the 1998 matthew broderick version <laughs> um the uh, Gareth Edwards 2014 Shin Godzilla, which is held up as one of the best of all time. Um, at, which I bought and have not watched yet, and I, I, I want to make an effort to watch that one. Uh, no spoilers, but do. Um, and King of the Monsters, the one uh, Billy Bobby Brown led uh, a couple of years ago. Last year, It's last year. It feels like about three years ago that yeah. came out. Yeah, we, and we reviewed that for Yeah, Beth. and we <laughs> weren't too keen on it. Uh, no, we were not. <laughs> put it like that. So, been watching those. So that's been interesting. Um, so, so um, get varying quality and varying um, levels of enjoyment from them. But um, yeah, check out Shin Godzilla. Just again, also, it's a totally oh, yeah. different slant on the Godzilla story, which is what I really dug about it. Interesting. Um, I, I definitely, I have that. Uh, I got it on sale recently. It was like five bucks um, for Blu-ray on Amazon, and I've been meaning to get to it. And then um, I, I will admit, in 98, I had a blast with that Godzilla oh, movie. Oh, Right. And then when like I rewatched it, I actually, uh, I taught it, like I taught, we used to have these like lab days where it was like, uh, you would only have a few of your students and some of them would be like in other sessions doing like workshops kind of thing. And so I would do like film studies and, uh, with this group, I, I don't remember why, but I went like the bad movie route Yeah, yeah. and 
uh, we watched that Godzilla, and it's just like, cause it's it's still fun. It's bad, yeah, but it's fun. And but Jean, uh, Jean Russo is great in that movie. Uh, John <laughs> Renard was it? Yeah, sorry. It. Yeah, wow. Where I think Russo, Russo. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh no, he Rene is. Russo. Yeah, that's what it is. I, I married the two names. Yeah, uh, he's so good in that. Um, and I've soured on Matthew Broderick. Uh, Matthew Broderick, I actually think I dislike more than Jason. Oh uh, wow. Um, well, I've never been a point. huge fan of him. Um, he's kind of my Jason Clark, I think. Um, one of them, anyway, because. I don't know, again, there's just nothing, I've just, to me, <laughs> Matthew Broderick has always come across as that like really annoying kid in theatre class, theatre school, who was always maybe thought he was Ooh. a bit better than everybody else. Um, Ooh, has always I like wound me up a little bit. Uh, and in Godzilla, I mean, I think he's miscast. The guy has even come out and said, you know, he, I think I was miscast in that role, but I still enjoyed it. Um, you know, when Godzilla came out, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. You know, the, the soundtrack had... Um, Soundtrack yeah. is huge, dude. We, my, my friend David and I, David, who's the editor at Burke Reviews, we both had like the singles for yeah. the, the Puff Daddy, Daddy song, with Jimmy and Page, and Jamiroquai, and then the yeah, and then they had the the Rage song, yeah, yes, right, yeah, the, the one right? which was basically yeah. you know crapping all over the idea of the film itself. And Silverchair were on that, and Green Day were on the soundtrack as well. It was a big soundtrack. Um, it was. So yeah, we're we're going to be discussing that um, on Thursday this week. Uh, I also went back and watched a few um, oldies. I watched Presumed Innocent. With um, Harrison Harrison Ford, which was I think a nineteen ninety film, um, Alan Pecula, um directed it. I really really like this film, so I haven't watched it for a long time. Um, so I'm good trying. I've said so many times. Every time you ask me, have I seen a film? I generally say yes, but not in a long time because it's true. And now I'm going to think. No, I'm going to write those wrongs, and I'm going to go back to watch these films, which I really like, but haven't revisited in a long time. I'm presumed innocent. It's a legal drama thriller type uh, with Harrison Ford starring, who's really very good in this. Um, I really like this film, so I went back to watch Presumed Innocent, and I also went back to watch Wait Until Dark from uh, 1967, Audrey Hepburn-led um, film, oh. thriller film. Oh, that's the one where she's blind, right? That's right. We we actually covered it on astrology, movie astrology. Yeah, um, I've been wanting to watch that since we talked about it. Yes, Terence Young directed it. We we covered it on astrology. Uh, if you haven't heard, uh, if you haven't, if you don't know what that is, me and John do a regular, semi-regular uh, podcast where we dive into an entire year of film and we talk about the best and worst of it, uh, amongst others. And Wait Until Dark came up on the 67 as a notable release. And I really like this film. It's a really tight thriller, really tight thriller. Audrey Hepburn's great, great in it. Alan Arkin, Richard Krenner, they're all very good in it. Um, so I went back to rewatch that and I dig it just as much. So, I really highly recommend Wait Until Dark. And um, Thrawn Ascendancy, the Chaos Rising, the first book of the new Thrawn trilogy, Star Wars Thrawn trilogy, which is a prequel ah. to the new Thrawn trilogy. So it's completely, um, obviously, the old trilogy from the early 90s is not canon anymore. The, Timothy Zahn did his new trilogy, and this is a prequel to that. And I'm not entirely. I don't mind Thrawn. I don't mind the books. I think they're fine. The old ones are good, but these new ones are fine. So I wasn't entirely uh, jazzed about this, but it turned up on my doorstep. The guys at the Star Wars Books UK sent it very kindly, so I read it and I was like, Do you know what? This is actually pretty damn good. I'm surprised at how much I'm enjoying this uh, to the point where I read it and then actually downloaded, audibled the um, the audio book as well to check it out again to see what see because I, I like audio books. But I, ha- I sometimes struggle with concentrating on them, especially if I'm doing something, if I'm in bed, my, my mind just wanders or I fall asleep within 10 minutes. So if I've already read the book before, 
in an audio book works wonders for me because it just helps add those layers to it and I kind of know what to expect. So Thrawn on Ascendancy, Chaos Rising, very decent book. If you're into Star Wars, do check it out. Um, or if you're not, check it out anyway. It's a decent book. So um, yeah, mostly films this week, um, but for the first time in a long time, a book as well. So it looks like we've been pretty busy, but being busy and being this bloody awesome, you know, it's hard. You know, we, we we do wake up and look in the mirror sometimes and think, do you know what? You are bloody awesome. But it doesn't come, it, it comes with work. You know, it doesn't, you have to, we have to earn this status or status for our American fans. Um, so it's so like we have to make go above and beyond every week. So JB, what on earth have you been doing to stay bloody awesome this week? Well, sir, um, I have been uh, trying to social safely. Um, and uh, I've been, you know, I play Magic the Gathering. Yep. And, um, I, it's, you know, since COVID it's, it, we kind of, we had a weekly Friday engagement with, uh, two of my friends, uh, consistently two, sometimes there would be up to five. Um, we would go get dinner and then we'd go play magic for a few hours and then we'd, you know, go about the rest of our weekend kind of thing. And it, it was uh, great fun for many months. And then COVID kind of shut that down real hard. Um, and about a month ago, uh, we started trying to play again and then my wife got COVID. So we had to yeah. stop. Um, and we're all teachers, and in Florida, we're being made to teach uh, in our classrooms again. That's that was why we decided. Well, we're already going to be forced to be exposed to a potential. You know, we're going to be put in a room with at least twelve people for long periods of time, multiple times a day. It's okay if we play magic again. That was kind of our our mindset, mm-hmm. right? Like our we're being forced to do this, so we might as well at least you know take the one thing that we enjoy for social. I mean, I enjoy my classroom, but obviously if I was going to like choose, I wouldn't be in a room with a bunch of people who maybe don't believe the same thing that I believe when it comes to the virus. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So, so here we have three people who have are like-minded. We all agree on like wearing our masks and stuff. Um, but again, I hadn't been able to play for 24 days because I, I was under quarantine. My wife was under quarantine. And so this weekend, um, one of my friends, uh, we kind of impromptu, it was not planned. Uh, we, we decided to meet up and play. We wanted to get our group of normal three. Um, but our third friend was, uh, occupied with good reason. Um, but so we ended up playing magic just, uh, one V one for a couple hours. And, uh, then we went and grabbed dinner and then we just ended up talking for like two hours at dinner. Like we ate dinner and then we like talked for like an extra hour and a half afterwards. That's always the best kind of dinner. Right. And it was just, that it was exactly that. It was what we both needed. We, we hadn't really been able to socialize, um, we got dinner at a, a small uh, Vietnamese place that we love and it, like they have, you know, it was, it's pretty empty. So it was, we felt comfortable eating inside. And once we finished our food, we put our masks back on and stuff, but we sat and talked for a while. It was just, uh, it was, it was good, uh, needed socialization. I know it's not entirely safe. Trust me, listener. I, I do get that. We took the precautions that we could. And again, we are both teachers who are in the state of Florida right now. We are back in the classroom with students. So yes. like we're, you know, we are, uh, but again, we still took precautions despite that. It's not like I'm saying, well, there's no choice, but we're taking all the precautions. I have a plexiglass shield at work, uh, to take precautions kind of thing. Um, but you know, we, we know that it's a risk, but we, we were, we needed that moment. And it was, uh, I think we both really, uh, it was cathartic in a lot of ways. So that was how I stayed bloody awesome this week. What about you, sir? Um, well on that, I mentioned a similar thing the other week where sometimes you, keeping it uh real socially distancing and uh and obviously you know more than most now as well the, the benefits and the necessity to do that um but you 
that social interaction is so needed. It, when, especially when it's not at work or not for even for a podcast as such, when it's just out having a meal or just chatting, the shooting the breeze wherever it takes you, it can it can do wonders like mentally for you. So um, I'm glad to hear that, my friend. Um, yep. For me this week, um, I sat down with uh, the writer and producer of Host, the Shudder original host, Jed Shepard. He uh, he jumped on Death by Pod with myself and my co-host Elizabeth. Uh, we spoke to him for an hour or so about the film, uh, about the Blumhouse deal he's assigned, working with Sam Raimi, what he had for his lunch. Of course, you've got to get the good questions out. Uh, played a horror-themed game with him. But it's just nice to know, find out the story of how that, uh, you know, you know, call it what it is, which is what I called him, smash hit, came about. And like the origins and how it started was just incredible. To where it began, to where it became, sorry, and even listening to Jed, I'm, I'm not, he still seems like he's trying to grasp the fact that what started off as a prank has become this. And everybody in that film are friends. If they're real life friends, they're all, they're all in a WhatsApp group together. And it was almost like a case of, oh, you remember that prank we did? Oh, we're going to make a film about it. We're going to picture to shudder and you guys are going to be in it. And they're like, fine, okay. And that's what I said, you know, the idea of making a film with your buddies and it being a smash hit, it's living the dream almost. It'd be like me going to Florida with John saying, right, let's write, let's, whilst I'm here, you know, let's, let's have a blue moon and write, uh, let's write a screenplay. And then two weeks later it gets picked up and suddenly we're on, we're at Cannes and um, Venice and Tiff promoting our film. It'd be something weird like that, but um, not to say I wouldn't like that. I would, uh, as long as we have donuts, but yeah, we sat down sitting down and finding out more about the creative process. And just a horror fan, talking about horror and the joys of working within the industry. Uh, it was really nice to um, sit down and speak to Jed. So that went out yesterday by the time we're hearing this. So if you have a couple of hours, uh, an hour, sorry, spare, do go check it out if you want to hear more about the creative process behind Host. So yeah, I stayed bloody awesome by just finding out how um, a British man made a British mash hit horror film. That's pretty cool. I actually hadn't, I, I think I'd heard about it, but I hadn't, I've not seen it. Um, I wonder if Corey has. Corey is uh, my movie club podcast partner, um, and she is an avid Shudder fan. Um, she she watches a lot of Shudder content, so I'm curious if she's seen it or not. I'd yet. imagine she would because it is it's Shudder's biggest property now of all time. It's at that many. Wow. Years. Um, uh, it's only 58 minutes long, 57 minutes long. Um, but don't let don't let the raffle fool you guys because I even said you know I thought it's 57 minutes, and I was like, what on earth and what is this going to be about? Like it's less than an hour. But trust me, it works. I really thought Host was all excellent. Um, I'll be interested to hear what you think, though, JB, if you get a chance to watch. It's an hour long, so um, if you can fit it in, I recommend checking out, because I'd love to hear what you think about it. I am going to try, uh, for sure. And Corey, if you're listening, I absolutely want to hear what you thought about it. So, um, And you guys out there as well. But um, and whilst you're at it, let us know how you guys have been staying bloody awesome as well. Maybe we could pick up some hints and tips from you, but... Uh, that wraps up this week's episode of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. We will be back same time again next week, where we're going to be where we're going to be diving into Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor. So we're going out of the frying pan and very much into the fire next week. So Possessor is going to be our film for next week. So before then, if you want to find us online, John, where can uh, the world find us on Instagram? We are at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod on IG. If you want to find us on Twitter, at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. Uh, Facebook, just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Uh, John, individually, where can the world find you? 
Um, I am at BurkeReviews.com and uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd at Burke Reviews. And at all Florida, Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts as well. Yes. Um, if you're uh, eating responsibly. If you want to find me, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk uh, and what I watch tonight across all the socials and also Letterboxd as well. And if you like what you've just heard and you know anybody out there who's a film fan, do please uh, spread the word. And if you have a spare minute or so, please do consider leaving us a, a five-star review on your podcast provider of choice because it just helps the show grow. It helps us with the engagement with you guys, which we love. And it gets us out to more ears as well. So at the end of the day, we'd love that. And we appreciate you listening and giving your time. So thank you very much for listening. So until next week, though, with that, stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Blood, 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 blood,